Dark Meta. What's up, everybody? Ear Bleeder Pod. First episode. So, what is this podcast? Who am I? My name is Spencer, your host. This podcast is a podcast about modern rock and metal. I figured I'd uh, kick this off with first episode being about the top music that came out in 2019, and boy, was it a great year of music, in my opinion. So, I'm going to go through top 10 EPs, top 10 albums, nice, simple, straight to the point. Alright, well, let's cut the jibba-jabba and let's get into it. So, this let's, uh, let's get this out of the way. Some of the stuff that's not going to be on this list. Any kind of... How do I put this? Older styles of metal in terms of... I'm not going to put any thrash kind of metal on this. I'm not going to put any like indie rock kind of stuff on this list. These lists. Other than that, let's just jump right into it. Um, top 10 EPs. It's actually, it's kind of funny. Most of these, I say 90% of these are all bands that I am pretty much brand new to that I pretty much found out about uh, this year and I guess maybe late 2018. So with exception of a couple and we'll get to that. But to start off, we'll do a few honorable minch. First of all is band called Our Last Night. Which I've known for quite a few years now. Um, they released two EPs this year, actually. Interesting choice. The first one is called Let Light Overcome. Came out in March. And in the second one, it's called Overcome the Darkness. Came out in November. Which, I get like, I get releasing more music more frequently, but I think that, I think that make, I think that makes more sense to me if, like say you release two EPs in a year, it makes more sense to me if the two EPs are distinctly different projects projects from each other like I don't like the first one's called 
let light overcome. And then the second one is called overcome the darkness. And they're very similar feels. They're very similar artwork. It's basically just a 15 song album split up into two, one released earlier in the year, one released later in the year. So like I get the whole releasing more frequent, but I feel like these could just have been together for a 15 song album and it wouldn't really make, make a big difference. But regardless, it's still, they're still both good quality. They, you know, they have two vocalists, they're brothers. They play off of each other really good. A lot of the time, I can't even recognize, like, the difference between both of them. They sound very similar. But um, one plays guitar, one just does vocals. But I think the one who doesn't play guitar and just does the vocals actually screams as well. So you can kind of feel which which one is singing and which one is screaming. And But um, the guitars are really good, technical. They're solid. The only thing is the EPs are good, but it seems like Our Last Night is just becoming more and more Our Last Night, if that makes sense. They're, they're still good quality releases, but at the same time, they're almost bordering into becoming caricatures. Not quite, but they're kind of leaning in that direction. Like these releases are becoming more and more hard last night. If that makes any sense, the production is kind of, they have a very specific production sound. And I'm not going to say it's bad, but it's very distinct and it can almost be a little annoying <laughs> if you're not careful, which my fiance says like, We've listened to Art Last Night for years, but it seems like with their their latest releases, she's kind of waning from them. Like I, I'm solid, I, I'm pretty consistent with them. I've I've loved them loved them throughout the years, but she seems like she's just kind of leaning more and more away from them. And I think it's because they're getting more and more of a character of themselves. If that makes sense, I'm not I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but it's just kind of my observation. But next honorable mention is, let's see, Dead Crown. They released an album or EP in December called Crucify Me. The reason it didn't make my top 10 list because for one, I really like their first two singles that they released. They released three singles. First one, Family. Second one, 24. And then they released a third one called Down. The first two I loved. The first one, Family, is just, just a banger. It's solid metalcore and they have like hip-hop influences and sounds really good. The Screamer's really good. He doesn't have a huge range he's pretty much just medium or medium he's mid mid range screams like pretty much the whole way but they do sound pretty amazing and they're they're uh really powerful but they're basically 
their songs are basically one giant breakdown pretty much but they're really they're really they're really good the guitars complement the drums they complement the screaming it all flows really nicely together and the third single they released they they featured uh, a rapper i forget his name um but he did work with Attila at one point uh, I forget the I forget the collab Bone Crew that's who it is it's it's Franzilla from Attila I've never said those words together like that before out loud <laughs> it's Franzilla Chris Franzak from Attila and uh Da Boy J. And it's good. It flows nice. The only thing, when Da Boy J's uh, feature comes in, the it starts out good, has a nice, like little, a little bit slower flow, but then halfway through it, he starts going like double time in his uh, timing with his raps. And, like, the instrumentals kind of kick in more as well, but they kind of drown him out. So I would have liked to seen the production kind of come down slightly on the instrumentals so you can still hear his rapping. But, uh, I mean, it's still good. But uh, I just didn't enjoy it as, the first two, as much as the first two singles. So um, the, the rest, of, rest of the EP is good. It's solid. Um, I just haven't really listened to it that much. It came out this month, so that's the only reason it's really not in my top ten. But it's really good. Next honorable mention, Spirit Box. Back in June, they released, I guess you would call it an EP, and it's called Singles Collection. If you have a collection of singles, and it's not quite album length, just advertise it as an EP, and just call it something. <laughs> Calling it Singles Collection isn't creative in any way. Like, it's just, I don't know. But the, besides the point, the music, however, is extremely well done. They have a female vocalist. She kills it. She is... Her clean vocals are amazing, but she also screams, and I think she screams. I hope I'm not wrong on that. I haven't looked up this this band. I've only listened to them. I've never actually watched them perform or music videos. So I'm pretty sure that she screams as well, but I could be wrong. But they're really good regardless. They do. They definitely do have more of a uh, genty style kind of rhythms and patterns and polyrhythms and everything like that. They're very similar to Ginger in terms of instrumental style, and also they have a female vocalist. But I definitely like this this vocalist better than Ginger. I know a lot of people go crazy about Ginger, you know. But the reason it's not in my top 10 
is not a judgment on quality per se, but it's, I just haven't listened to it enough. Like I heard about this band, but for whatever reason, I just never got around to listening to them, listening to them. But I did recently the past month or so, I listened to the singles collection and it's, it's amazing, but I'm just not as familiar with it. And I can't put myself to put this collection of singles also known as the EP into my top 10 last honorable mention is Gideon they released an album this year and we'll definitely get to that we will for sure get to that. But in February, they also released, I guess you would call it an EP. It has two singles on it. And it's called No Love, No One. And the I thought they were just singles that they released. And then they would eventually be on the album that they eventually put out later in the year. But those two singles weren't on the album. So I guess it's a considered a two song EP, which I'm considering that, but, and I guess that's why I'm putting it on honorable mentions and not putting it in the top 10. Cause there's only two songs, but those two songs are bonkers. I never really Gideon was always one of those bands that back in the day on like when I used to listen to Pandora all the time before I had Spotify, even I would be listening to, a day to remember channel or whatever, but any, you know, insert, you know, mid 2010s metalcore band, insert that as a station in Pandora. I was listening to it. And then they would always come up as a a similar artist next in line in the, in the, in the channel. And I would literally always just skip it because it just, I don't know, it just never, never stuck out to me. So, but recently, I saw them on a, I think it was a playlist or something, and I just, I think they just played, and I was like, who is this? This sounds really good. It, it sounded, and I looked, and it said Gideon, and I was like, I never remember them sounding like this. I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe they sounded exactly like this. I don't really know. I couldn't tell you another Gideon song before these two singles and their new album this year, but I don't know what it is. They're, like, their guitar riffs. Their vocals, their their vocal delivery is super powerful. Again, kind of like Dead Crown, like it's their vocalists don't they don't have. I think it's two. They don't have super big or super large range, but what they do have is a super powerful powerful delivery that fits well into the instrumentals that they present. They have super memorable riffs that have a lot of personality to them. You can have cool, like, technical riffs, but if they don't have personality, they can just, you know, they're not memorable. These are memorable, at least to me. And they caught me, you know, off guard because I was like, Gideon? I don't, I don't remember them being, like, having this much personality in their instrumentals. But, but uh, now on to the top 10. Number 10, 
is the only, I guess, deathcore-esque-ish, whatever suffix you would like, kind of release I have on either my top 10 EPs or top 10 albums. And the reason I don't really listen to deathcore style or death metal or whatever you want to call it is just, for me, it a lot of the time it overstays its welcome. And it borderlines into the absurd, but not in a good way, in like a cornyish kind of way. And like a lot of the time when I'm listening to Deathcore, I'm like, all right, I get it. But this band, Dead Awake. Dead, I guess, slash awake. They released an EP. It's nine songs, so, but it's only 27 minutes. So I don't, I don't know what the rules are, if there are any rules on EPs borderlining into albums, but I would call this an EP, I guess. Single digits EP rule. Bam. There you go. This, this EP is absurd. Yes. Ridiculous. Yes. Super heavy, check. Crazy, super low, guttural, toilet bowl screams, 100%. Ranging from mid-powerful screams, yes. Swooping up into the super high-pitched pig squeals, 100%. But for me, it was fun. Like I said, I don't have anything against Deathcore, but... When I listen to it, I kind of just want to listen to it, and I'm good for a while. And this satisfies me in that way. <laughs> Probably some of the heaviest music. I've 100% the heaviest music I've listened to this year, but some, some of the heaviest music I've ever listened to. Breakdowns, stuff like that. At one point, there is a song, and the breakdown has clips from the movie Whiplash in it. I will not give away the lines from the movie, but I've never heard clips from a movie in music, specifically metal, pertaining to breakdowns, fit as well as they do in this song. The song is called... The song is called Blackball. The EP has a few different features, all really solid. One I particularly love is Friends featuring Aiden Holmes, which is the lead singer of newly formed band Dealer, which we will 100% get to later. It's really good. All these features really complement each other really good. And then the last song is the one of the different songs on the album one of the only different songs on the album. And it's more, I guess I would say, metalcore-ish style. But it also has clean vocals. So, it's a cool switch up. It's definitely a breather from all the ridiculous sludge that they hit you in the face with. Sludge? I guess it's not sludge. 
I think that's an actual type of metal. Anyway, I'm not good at naming metal, as you could probably tell, but I don't care. We move on anyway. So, moving on to number nine. Number nine is an interesting one. Extortionist released an EP. It's called Self-Titled. The Dead Awake's EP is self-titled, but they actually used Dead Awake as the title of the EP. Extortionists released a self-titled EP, and they just literally called it self-titled. I'm confused. I don't really know what the difference is. Very confusing release decisions this year. I'm just now realizing a lot of weird release decisions this year. But regardless, it is an awesome EP. Really well done. Not just the name, though. Self-titled and not just using Extortionist. But this EP was supposed to come out in 2018. Extortionist also released an album in 2019. In early 2019. I forget the month. But then later, in May it was, they released this EP. There is a song on this EP that has a vocal call-out that says Extortionist 2018. So it's kind of obvious that it was supposed to release in 2018, but didn't. I don't know if it was record label issues. I I didn't look into it. But I just think it's hilarious. How I think even if I remember right, the Extortionist album, which I didn't put on my top 10, spoiler alert, but I did put this EP on my top 10 EPs. I, if I remember correctly, I haven't listened to it in a while, but I think the Extortionist album has a vocal call out that says Extortionist 2019. <laughs> so, very confusing, yes, but. That does not distract from the quality of the CP. Very good. Very concise. Way more concise than the album. Gets to the point. Has a good variety. Has a good mixture of styles of song. Some slower. Some really fast paced. Some super heavy. It's definitely more a hardcore slash metalcore album. The vocalist has a lot of range in his voice. Really nice. His voice as a whole is just brutal, has crazy depth to it. When you listen to the album, sounds like he's literally in your ear, screaming to you specifically. Production's really good. Songwriting's really good. Flow's really nice. Like I said, good variety of songs on this EP. Overall, really nice. Better than their album that they released the same year. So, number eight, Still Bloom. Well, Still underscore Bloom. The EP in February is called, from February, is called Melancholia.
never actually seen that word before. I've always just seen melancholy, never seen melancholia. But the aesthetics of this album, the vibe I get from this album, really nice. The I love the album artwork. Kind of looks like an old CRT TV, but it has just a a fly sitting there. But also too the the song titles look like they would be from that era. I guess the vibe they're getting they're trying to go for. It's like a CRTV. CRT TV, the big blocky ones that you'd have back like back in the nineties. But the song titles also get that same vibe. There's a lot of underscores, semicolons, dot exes, a lot of underscores <laughs> in the naming of these songs. Bleak underscore. Scanner da- dash zero one. Un underscore known dot exe. X underscore pulse. How underscore it underscore ends. You get the idea. I think they do a really good job of setting a vibe and an atmosphere and a overall tone of the album. It's really claustrophobic sounding. The production, the guitars, really chaotic. I guess you I guess you call it hardcore chaotic hardcore, maybe. Similar to the band Vane of last year. They really blew up on the scene last year. Very similar vibe. Imagine a more claustrophobic version of that band. You probably would get this. The the screams are very emotion filled, loose, very like hanging on by a thread. That's how I would describe them. Songwriting, I mean, it flows nice. It's got, it's, I don't know if you would call them choruses, but it definitely repeats certain sections. Like, I guess you would be a chorus in a lot of these songs. But there are definitely memorable moments of songwriting that hook you in. It's not just a chaotic mess from start to finish. But I found myself going back to this a lot during the year. They also released another EP, well, collab EP with the band Animal. And it was good. I liked it. I think it only had two songs from the from them on the album. The rest were Animal, and then I think they did a collab song as well. So a total of like five songs. But, but that was good too. I mean, good quality, same kind of vibe. The two bands really go well together. I think Animal released a solo EP as well uh, this year, but I just didn't really listen to it that much. I think I listened to it a little bit, but um, this is the one that stuck out stuck out to me. This is a relatively new band. They only have one other album they released, at least on Spotify. But um, interested interested to see going into the future what uh, they release an album, another EP, what they're gonna do. But uh, very promising. Number seven, the gloom in the corner. Nothing, 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 nothing. 
also brand new to this band as well. It's very interesting. If you if you like the cinematic feel and the theatrics of Crown the Empire, but you want a heavier version and an Australian version, I guess. <laughs> you can definitely hear the accents throughout this CP. Not a bad thing. I think Australia's killing the game right now when it comes to heavy music. Most of I think most of my releases, at least on these EPs, on this EP list, I think might be mostly from Australia. Killing the game. But back to the EP. It's there's definitely a story to this EP. Now, if you ask me what it was, couldn't tell you. But it's done really well. There's definitely dialogue back and forth, describing of different kinds of scenes, darkness, betrayal, suicide, I guess. All right, if you take the theatrics of Crown the Empire, also a lot of heaviness mixed with the Avenged Sevenfold song, A Little Piece of Heaven, that's this album. So, if any of that sounds good to you, you will not be disappointed. <laughs> Next release, Daybreak. I think this is another Australian man. So this is only a three-song EP called Godfather. Going back on the Gloom in the Corner EP, it's called Flesh and Bones. Came out in May. Back to Daybreak. Godfather came out in May. It's only three songs. Really to the point. Concise. Another claustrophobic sounding hardcore slash metalcore-esque release vocals really really solid as a very gloom dark dire vibe choruses sound like they the choruses sound like they are imagine imagine you're, you're in a music video standing on top or the edge of a, a building watching somebody fall down, facing up towards you, screaming in slow motion, waving their arms to try to grasp you, falling down away from you. That's how the choruses sound. <laughs> and that's exactly how they sound. And that's all I need to say. It's my number six pick. Number five is... One of the, this is the only, yep, the only band in my top 10 EPs that I've listened to that this EP is not the first time I've listened to them, which it's not really saying much because a lot of the bands I listened to didn't really, really release any EPs. A lot of bands I listened to released albums, if they even released anything at all. 
maybe some singles. But this band is called Volumes. A lot of people know who this is. And actually, at the date of recording this particular podcast, they recently just released, or I guess fired, their only remaining uh, original vocalist. So they, initially, they had two vocalists, screamers Michael Barr. And Gus Fiaris? Farius? I'm butchering that. But I think he goes by the the rap name Lil Yogi. Could also be wrong on that too. (laughs) But they released him as well. They, They released Michael Barr quite a few years ago. After the album No Sleep, which was one of my favorite albums of all time but recently they released Gus and they have Mike on vocals they might just keep him I mean he's he's good he sings and screams very good vocalist Gus is on this EP they have a good back and forth EP's called Coming Clean came out in April this is a really good EP their album Different Animals came out in 2017. Wasn't the hugest fan of it. Didn't hate it. Just didn't really listen to it a whole lot. There's definitely some songs on there that I, that I listened to a lot. Liked a lot. But this album. Or this EP. Six songs, 20 minutes. On a very frequent basis, I listened to this from start to finish. Every single song is... Just as good, if not better, than the last. No Love opens up the EP. Features Franz. Franzilla. Whatever you want to say. Really good feature from him. Towards the end of the song, really good. All these songs have great flow to them. They move nice. Volumes is always mixed metalcore and hip-hop elements to a T very well. The back and forth of the two vocalists is great. They have distinct qualities to each of their voice. The uh, The production on the instrumentals definitely sounds different than the previous works. The previous works definitely sounds more crisp. This one, you can definitely tell... It doesn't sound bad, but you can definitely tell it's a stylized production sound that they were going for a little bit more muffled a little bit more distant definitely doesn't sound bad though like i said but it is super heavy it is the riffs the grooves the movement all works really nice together if you have listened to volumes at all in the past few years you will 100 percent like this ep And if you have listened to volumes in the past few years, you probably have already listened to this EP. (laughs) And if you haven't, 
What you doing? But that's why it's number five. Number four. These next two actually are very interesting. The next two are a... These next two bands have an, uh, an ongoing beef between them. And those two bands are Alpha Wolf and Dealer. The lead singer of Dealer was in Alpha Wolf. Drama happens. Accusations happen. He left. Formed Dealer. These two bands are also Australian. Just throwing that out there. Like I said, most of these bands on my top 10 list are Australian. For what it's worth. They both released EPs in the same month, April. Alpha Wolf released EP an EP called Fault. Dealer released an EP called Soulburn. Both in April. Now, if you ask me, are there callouts in each of these EPs that are obviously calling out the other band and or band members? And you'd be correct. Now, is it super obvious? Not really. Subtle? Yes. But it's fun for what it's worth. I don't know the entire stories of the drama. I don't know what happened. Apparently somebody accused somebody, left the band, turns out they didn't do it. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. I don't know. But it does add an extra fuel to each of these EPs. Number four is Alpha Wolf. You're just a pussy in a black hoodie pushing your luck And you head in the light, but show your teeth in the dark Another false reflection, no intended imposter You're not who you say you are I do think it's a little bit lesser than Dealer's EP, Soulburn, but that does not discredit this EP. I think it's amazing. Just like the last EP from Volumes, I have listened to this EP several times from start to finish, front to back, not even not skipping any songs, short, concise, to the point. A lot of vitriol in the screamer's voice. The riffs has riffs for days. Super Super memorable riffs that flow nicely with the song. Drums, they do their part. Super good flow to the songwriting. But it's just a little less quality than Dealer's EP. Now, saying it's less quality doesn't mean that Alpha Wolf is bad. Obviously, I think I've said that. But in Dealer's EP... You can tell that there's just more oomph. And yes, that is a technical term. Oomph. Look it up. But you can feel it in this EP. For whatever reason, I don't know if it's the production. It's definitely more simple in terms of instrumental songwriting than Alpha Wolf's. There's a little bit more technicality in Alpha Wolf's EP, but I would say that 
just because it's not technical doesn't mean it's not impactful. The production hits you in the face. The breakdowns are nasty. Vocals, relentless. They have a higher register, just like Alpha Wolf's does too. They're very similar registers in the, in terms of where their screams sit in the mix. They both go. They both they both dip down into the lower ranges from time to time. But from the for the most part, in both EPs, both these screamers hit right at the mid to high range for their vocal for their screams. Now, Dealer's EP. In my opinion, it's just a little bit better, a little bit more impactful, a little bit more memorable than Alpha Wolf's EP. But they're right there. I went back and forth. I was putting Alpha Wolf's ahead of Dealers, flipped them back, flipped them back again, and then ultimately came out, Dealer came out on top. But both solid. Gotta check them out. Number two. Mirrors Cold Sanctuary. This band came out of nowhere for me. How I discover new music is mostly through related artists on Spotify and playlists on Spotify. And I'm pretty sure this band was on a playlist that I was listening to. And they just hooked me right in immediately. They're, I guess, what you would call metalcore. Again, I don't like labeling metal like that, but if you got an idea of what metalcore sounds like, I guess that's what they sound like. Metalcore slash genty riffs. Screaming, clean singing. They really they play well with each other. The back and forth between screaming and super catchy. Screaming and super catchy clean singing choruses. This band is relatively new. This is not their first EP. I believe it's their second. But they do sound really... They have a very mature sound to them already this early in their career. They're very talented songwriters. They know how to write good riffs. They know how to blend those riffs into the instrumentals as a whole. They know how to hook you in. They write great hooks. They write good atmospheric portions. They write good verses. For whatever reason, their songs stuck in my ears. Earworms, you would call it, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you'd call it. I don't know if I'd call it. But I think that within the next one or two years, this, this, this band's going to release an album, maybe another release and I think they're going to be the next big metalcore slash gent whatever you want to call it artist number one 
This band, I am brand new to as well. Like 99%. Well, I guess technically 90%. Because it's a top 10 list. And there's only one that I'm familiar with. Which is Volumes. So it's literally 90% of these bands I'm listening to for the first time this year. But this band, I would say this is a mature sounding band. Confident in their image. Their vibe that they're going for. They know exactly what they want. They know how to get it. And that band is called Lotus Eater. Now, what do they sound like? In the past, I would describe them as sounding like the band Loathe mixed with the album LD50 from Mudvayne. Now, is that comparison accurate? And do I remember exactly what LD50 sounds like? And do I remember more than just Burr, burr, ding. And I would tell you, no, I don't remember that much. <laughs> but I think I made that comparison for a reason. This release is very throwback, but also forward thinking at the same time. It takes elements of new metal, metalcore, hip hop. Like I said, the band Loathe. It just melds it perfectly into the most memorable catchy, unique, distinct, other descriptive words, releases of the year. This is my top one. I like their art style that they're going for. They love, and I do mean love, the color green. It's not a bad thing. Green's color of money, y'all. But... Some of the most memorable guitar riffs I've ever heard. Distinct from song to song. The EP is called Social Hazard. Came out in March. I've listened to this from front to back so many times this year. Never skip a song. If anything, I religiously listen to this EP and I have to listen to it front to back. It's not even a question. If I start listening to Lotus Eater, I have to listen from front to back. And that includes the two singles that released that they released going up to this EP that they didn't include on the EP. Because I feel that it's a shame that they didn't release these two singles on the EP because they fit perfectly into it. And I don't know why they didn't include it in the EP itself. But if I had to pick an artist of the year, new artist of the year, at least to me. I think they've only released one more EP besides this. It would have to be Lotus Eater. So that was the EPs. A solid year of EPs in terms of what I discovered for the first time. And 
basically brand new artists and maybe not brand new artists, but relatively new artists that are new to me at least. And it did not disappoint plethora of new music for me. And maybe you too. Check them out if you like them. Next up, albums. Top 10 albums of the year. 2019. First up, you know what it is. On Minch. First On Minch would have probably made my top 10, but part two didn't release like it, they said it would, I guess. I haven't really follow, I haven't really been following it that much, but as far as I know, this first on this first honorable mention was a part one of what supposedly was a two-part album that was supposed to come out later this year. But maybe that's what uh, our last night did. I don't know. Born of Osiris, the simulation. About eight songs, 25 minutes. I loved this part one, I guess. And the reason I didn't put it in EPs, because it's kind of like an EP. Eight songs, 25 minutes. Sounds EP-ish. The reason I didn't put it in EPs is because it was supposed to be a part one of a album. That was supposed to come out this year. This one did. The second one, missing a, missing in action. Don't know where it is. So, that's why it's in on Minch. But, hopefully we get it soon. Maybe, if we get it next year, maybe this goes in my top albums of next year. I don't know. Yet to be seen. But, Born of Osiris. Wasn't a huge fan of them going into this, but I heard the first single, which I believe was Silence the Echo. I mean, this is a long ass time ago, so I don't, this is the very beginning of the year. So I think it was January, but this was a long time ago, but I think that was the first single I listened to and I loved it. So I just kept following it and every single they put out was amazing and then this came out and the whole package was awesome so really uh really teased us with the part two that we were expecting because the first part was awesome but this part two never came out so left us wanting more that's why not in my top 10 so next next one is called artist called Kazo, which is an electronic EDM, I guess, artist. They released, they, him, her, I don't know, album called Unleashed.
reason this is in my honorable mench is because it has a lot of songs with a lot of quote-unquote metalcore bands. I don't know what you call it. Um, Risecore bands. Those kind of bands. Let's go through a few of them. First one is Our Last Night. They did a collab with him, collab with Bless the Fall, collab with Alex of All Time Low. I don't, I've never listened to All Time Low except for, I think I've heard one song, so I don't really listen to them. Memphis May Fire. Man, they really fell off. Uh, Kyle Pavone, R.I.P. This was released in 2019, so this is a song from Beyond the Grave for Kyle. A collab with Of Mice and Men. Don't really care about them. Under Oath. Actually really liked Under Oath's new, newest album. Their comeback album, I guess. I did not care about them beforehand. Not that I didn't like them, just didn't listen to them. Never really cared about them. And then they released this new album, which I guess is a different sound, but I like it anyway. I think it's really good. Um, And then finally a collab with Shy Beast, who is also known as Devin Oliver from Icy Stars. So a lot of collabs from that kind of scene. If you know who those are, if you know who they are, um, good collabs, well done, good back and forth with those kind of, I guess, metalcore or whatever styles of music. And then also mixed in with Kezo's production electronics, EDM style stuff. Really good. The reason it's not in my top 10 is because the rest of these songs, there is 15 songs, and the ones I didn't mention, I do not remember at all. They're collabs with other artists that I do not know. Not to say that they're bad, I just didn't. I don't remember any of them. But yeah, good overall. Next honorable mention, Shokran Ethereal. I used all my chances, I used everything, but it's getting worse with every fucking day. Cover my scars and hide my pain. Shokran album name, Ethereal, released back in February. Shokran is, I guess, a lesser-known kind of Genty-style band. Their last album they put out called Exodus back in 2016. I listened to it, don't really remember it too much, but I remember liking it. thought they were really talented, really technical. Good uh, 
good vocals. But from what I remember, I think it's more, it's definitely like a genty kind of typical metalcore genty style. But this new one, Ethereal, very interesting direction they're going. It uh, it's more melodic, more dreamy, uh, dreamy. Uh, good description, dreamlike. I guess has kind of like a music box feel. Those kind of sounds, those kind of soundscapes. The vocals are unique, but they still have the technical genty style. Elements, riffs, really heaviness, but it's a unique, it's intertwined in a unique package that kind of makes its own voice, makes its own style, and I'm interested to see where they go if they continue to evolve that sound, because I like it a lot. Next. This was almost in my top 10, but for various reasons, didn't crack it. And that album is called Mr. Pain by Dayshell. Came out in October. This is of Mice and Men's first clean vocalist. His project band outside of when he left of Mice and Men created this band called Dayshell, which is his last name, Shaley Dayshell. Or no, middle name, sorry. Shaley Deschel. I don't know if that's his middle name actually or if that's a nickname. I don't know. Shaley Deschel Bourget. Very interesting name. But one of, if not the best, most talented, unique singers in the whole rock slash metal scene. When you hear him, you will always know that it's him singing and there's no other singer I've ever listened to that sounds anything like him. Very high register, but not in like a typical metalcore slash rock way. Very controlled, refined, like I said, unique, one of a kind, I guess. But... He also incorporates screaming that's decent at times. Doesn't overuse it, but the reason this is not in my top 10 is that this album is way longer than it needs to be, in my opinion. It does deliver on the the singles that were put out. One including a collab with 
the band Dropout Kings, which I've heard a little bit here and there, but haven't really haven't really been following them too much. But that is probably the best song on the album. It's called Combat. It's super high energy. A lot of rapping vocals. Super heavy. Soaring chorus. It's actually one of my top songs of the year. A lot of the other singles are some of my favorite songs of the year. We have Superhuman, Pressure, Spellbound. These are amazing songs. But the album around them was just kind of wasn't bad. Just kind of didn't really stick out to me. A lot of filler songs on this album, unfortunately. And, I mean, it's 14 songs, 56 minutes. I just, it really felt, it it felt longer than 56 minutes, which is a shame. But, you know, throughout, I mean, the singing, there's nothing wrong with singing. Singing's perfect and unique and great. I don't know, the song, maybe it was the songwriting, just didn't catch me for the most part in a lot of these songs. But, like I said, singles, phenomenal. But, I guess that's why I didn't crack my top ten. Okay, on to the list. (sighs) Number ten. While She Sleeps... So what? Released back in March. I was really looking forward to this album. Love the uh, singles leading up to it. Been following this band for a few years. Started with um, the album Brainwashed, I believe. It's a red album cover with a like a flag with their logo on it. Really liked it. Thought it was really interesting sounding like metalcore. Really heavy, super and like intense like non-stop movement in their kind of riffs and grooves that they lay out melodies the uh the next album you are we back in 2017 this album was amazing pretty much every song on that album just rocked from start to finish they have such like a unique vocal production i guess it's uh it, it pretty much sounds like every member of the band is singing all the lyrics at once and that's kind of the style that they've like built up over time and really refined their harmonies their screams their clean sing singing their just their vocal arrangements they just mix and intertwine so well with each other and intertwine into the music 
and it forms this sound, this sonic profile, not to sound too pretentious, but <laughs> that's just, it's just unique to While She Sleeps, and there's literally no other band that you can show me that sounds exactly like While She Sleeps, at least some that I've found. And this new album, So What? It, uh, the artwork is interesting in that in the same way their album Brainwashed was red with a red flag and their logo on it, this has a similar vibe with a white background with a white, what looks like painted uh, guitar cabinet with four speakers in it. So the background, the cabinet is all white and it's like spray painted red with a question mark and it says, so what? I just noticed that. It has a question mark painted on it, but then also at the end, so what over top of it, but it also has a question mark at the end of so what? I don't know. That's just kind of, kind of redundant, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I literally just, I literally just noticed that. Anyway, that has nothing to do with this album. Um, the song starts off on, or the song, the album starts off on a really high note with antisocial and it never lets up throughout the album. This is definitely a really political band. You could just tell by their songwriting and even in like all the song titles are all written written they're all in capital letters so and if you listen to it the the sound they're going for definitely sounds like a rallying call like like we got like if i had to sub up this album in a few words it'd be like yo let's go what do you wait no we gotta rise we gotta rise up we gotta overthrow some shit Let's go. What are we waiting on? That's a lot of words. But <laughs> to summarize the album, it would be Let's Go. And they mix in a lot of different sounds, like different samples, different sound effects that I really like. But they stick to their style of songwriting that is so while she sleeps. There are a couple filler songs, so that might be the reason it didn't climb too high on my list, but it definitely doesn't take away from the quality of the album. It's a solid album altogether. Number nine, I'm brand new to this band, never heard of them before, before this, Of Virtue. Is the band What Defines You is the album released in May. I first heard this band when they released the single Suffer and 
from the from the opening riff slash in, slash intro, I knew I was like, "Well, this is a band that I'm gonna be listening to for a while," because from the second that song kicks in, it just it doesn't let up the entire song, and it has a very unique, almost like it's definitely it's metalcore, but it has like a certain industrial feel to it that is unique to a virtue that I haven't really heard this year at all. It's it's written extremely well, hooks you in, and I would say it's probably one of Suffer is probably one of my top three songs of the year. The album, I listened to this album from start to finish. It's 10 songs, 39 minutes, good length. There is no filler songs on this album. They have a really nice feature with Kaylee Wolf. I'm not sure what band or artist or what she's done, but She's in the song Pictures of You. Really nice feature. Fits the song well. A little bit of a more... I wouldn't say slow, but... More... A little bit softer song, but it... It's like right in the middle of the album, and it gives you a nice break from the really high-paced songs on the rest of the album. Which, you won't even need a break, because... The way these songs are laid out, you'll just, you'll listen to start from finish and want to just, it seems like, it's one of these albums that just seems like every song just gets better than the last, except for Suffer. Suffer is like the third song and it's the best song. (laughs) My favorite song, but all these songs are of note and a really solid album from a band that I've never heard of that I think a lot of people haven't heard of but they should and I think they will of virtue next up number eight I can't believe that this band is this low on my list for this album that they released I don't know there were a lot of albums that came out this year that were just so good this one included it came out in October, so I feel like I just haven't, I didn't get to listen to it as much as I wanted to, or as much as I should. I listened to it a lot, but I feel like if this came out in maybe February, March, this would probably be in my top four, top three, maybe. Band, Darknet, album, Morally Flexible. This is one of those bands that I found while looking through the similar artist section on some of the bands I was listening to on Spotify. They released an EP back in I think 2016, and I uh, I was so upset that they hadn't 
released music since then. I mean, this was recent. This was probably early last year or early this year. Sorry. And I rocked that EP. And I saw those released back in two, 2016. I just thought they were one of those bands that, you know, released a really cool EP and then just fall off the face of the earth. But I was watching this YouTuber, Andrew Baina. He's a guitar YouTuber. And he was wearing a like a, a shirt that said Darknet on it. I was like, and it was a design that I didn't recognize. I was like, that doesn't look like like what their art style looked like from back then. They had like a really, like their art style was like literally black, really somber. And this was like neon orange, you know? And it's, I was like, that looks like it's a new thing. And it was, it said morally flexible behind it. I was like, that's not a song or a EP name that I've heard of from them. So I looked up and I was like, Lo and behold, they released an album called Morally Flexible. So I turned that on, and it's it's a different sound than the EP, but it's still darknet, and it's still really heavy, and it's, but I would say it's definitely, you know, they released the EP in 2016, so they've had plenty of time to write new songs and find a new style and a new you know aesthetic and a new I guess fresh breath of fresh air so to speak without losing that central heavy sound and I think they pulled it off so well and like I said if I just if I just spent more time with this album it would be easily top four of the year. The art style has neon colors, but at the same time, really like dingy and like tattered and torn looking. The sound is definitely a new, like metal core sound, but it, has vibes of like late nineties new metal incorporated into it. And they just, they pull it off so good. And this is actually, uh, this is technically like an anonymous band. Like they haven't said who they are. So maybe they're just members of bands I already like, and they just knew each other. So they came together and, Made this, I don't know, could be, but who knows? But I'm glad they did come together, or whoever this is. They have, like, I guess like a VHS style as well. Like I said, late 90s kind of vibe, but also like an anime. They use like anime clips and their like marketing on Instagram and stuff. I don't know, man. I I really like this sound that they're going for. Like, I get it. You know, they have, you know, it's mostly screaming and super heavy music, but they'll throw in like some, like a somber clean section 
that fits the vibe and the sound really well. It's kind of wonky, kind of off-pitched, kind of loose, sloppy, cleans, but in like the best way because it fits it perfect. And they have like little guitar accents here and there that just add little bits of personality to the riffs and just makes it makes it it's super heavy and a weird wonky kind of vibe but like at the same time it makes it fun and creative and man i just can't I, like i listen to it from front to back no filler songs so good number 7 number 7 is starset released the album divisions in september This band I've been listening to for a while. First listened to Monster, single Monster, I believe. And that made me just go back through this their discography. At least the released two previous albums. They're called Star Set. Their music is based on space. They're super cinematic. The vocalist is one of the best, one of my favorite. Those can be two separate things, the best and your favorite, but he happens to be both. From what I understand, he's like the mastermind behind everything. Like he writes everything and designs like there's, you know, their live sets and I think directs like everything. I, I think I could be wrong, but from what I understand, I think that's what I heard, but. You definitely tell that him at least, or the band as a whole, they're definitely going to go into movies and I'm sure scoring movies. What Crown the Empire does in a cinematic vibe to that kind of metalcore sound of the past few years, Starset does this to like a, a more arena rock I guess heaviness here and there for sure but more rock style modern rock because we don't talk about old rock on this podcast at least they they're pretty much masters of the modern rock sound blending in with cinematics slash sci-fi slash space this album is just the next chapter in that story that they're trying to tell. It's more, I would say, sci-fi than space, which those two obviously go together. But I would say they're leaning more into the, at least from like the promotional stuff. It sounds like they're leaning more into like the whole technological advancements and stuff like that, which I guess you could say space is for the most part, you know. At least our role in space is pertaining to technology. But it's more futuristic vibe. Dystopian, I guess, vibe, I think. That's what their 
artwork looks like, at least. But the stories they tell, the narrative landscape that they lay out for you, the listener, just, it's it's masterful. There's no other rock or metal band that lays out a cinematic vibe and draws you in and makes you like almost feel like you're listening to or watching a movie like Starset does. And this is just the next iteration of that. The I guess the lead single, Manifest, it uh has a lot of heaviness in it. There's a lot of riffs that are pretty nasty. I wasn't really expecting them from Starset. Telekinetic has a lot of a lot of screens in it. A lot of heaviness. But they don't, you know, Starset knows who they are. They don't overdo it. They don't and they don't they definitely don't add in the heaviness for the sake of adding it in. There's a purpose behind it. There's a purpose behind everything they do. They're trying to make you feel a certain way and visualize a certain setting in your mind. That is their goal. And they 100% accomplish that with this album. The last song, Diving Bell, much like on their previous album, Vessels, the song Ricochet, the vocalist's voice just goes to like, I'm just going to say it, it goes to outer space. It, it just go it, it soars and it takes you along for the ride <laughs> and it, it'll choke you up if you let it. Number six, controversial, I guess. I don't know. I don't, I don't really care about the whole controversy, where you stand on it. I don't really care. I just want good music. And I think they delivered 100%. That band is Bring Me the Horizon. The album is called Ammo. Released in January. Why you gotta kick me when I'm down? You better pray I don't get up this time around. And why are you trying to put me in the ground? I never really listened to Bring Me the Horizon when they were a quote-unquote deathcore, metalcore band, except for Sepaternal. I know they released like, I don't know, like 10 albums before Sepaternal or whatever. I don't really care. I never really, I never really listened to them. Probably not going to go back and listen to them. I mean, I think I listened to their first one a little bit. It's cool. It's fine. It's whatever. They really drew me in with Sepaternal. I mean, obviously... Drew a lot of people in. Shadow Moses being the song. I mean, it was on Guitar Hero, for God's sakes. But from, I don't think they've necessarily, uh, I guess their earlier work, but like the past three, four releases have all been extremely different. I don't think I'm breaking any news here. The reason this album is so high on my list 
and the fact that it's a pop rock slash slash electronic album is that the packaging, the vision, the songwriting, the art, everything is just done so well and with such care that I low-key think Bring Me the Horizon are geniuses. And I think that we're going to look back on them and be like, oh, yeah, of course. If they would have just stayed like deathcore medical, they would have probably died out after, you know, a couple more albums after Sepaternal or whatever. But especially if they didn't release Sepaternal. I mean, if they stayed with their old, old sound, I, they probably would have broke up. I don't know. Who knows? But I do think they are... At the very least, marketing geniuses. But I do think that they are 100% musical geniuses. There is so much variety on this album. Is there heaviness? No. But it, it, there doesn't need to be. They, at this point, Bring the Rising can do whatever they want. And they will do whatever they want. Especially after the with the fact in mind that they just released a new album that's longer than this album. I mean, I'm not going to say what the title is because it's like three paragraphs long, but I listened to it and it's even more different than this album, Ammo, that I'm talking about. It's like some kind of lo-fi, electronic, experimental, 24-minute long songs, which is actually a shame because... That song, Underground, whatever, features Lotus Eater, which is one of my top artists of 2019, my top EP of 2019. And when I saw that this was leaked out there, I was like, Lotus Eater is in a Bring Me the Horizon uh, track. I was like, oh, okay. But then I listened to it. I'm like, okay, this is cool. But they were in the song for exactly like 30 seconds. It didn't even really sound like Lotus Eater for the most part. It was cool. I mean, it was awesome. It's just, it left me wanting so much more. Like, it was like, why? I was like, why even put them in this song? But, I don't know. I'm going to talk about this album a lot more after I can listen to it, maybe another time because I listened to it one two at once. I'm not gonna listen more than twice. There's no need. It's not one of those albums that I'm gonna listen to over and over again. But I'll get to that for sure. Going back to um, ammo, Bring Me the Horizon accomplishes a lot with this album. They accomplish a bunch of different emotions, a bunch of diff- a bunch of different styles. And I saw them live this year. They were unbelievable. It was so fun. I get the hate that they get for like completely changing their style. But at the same time, like if you're going to completely change your style, at least make it good. And that's what this is. It's good. <laughs> if you could just listen to it with open ears and like open mind, like, like who gives a shit if it's not heavy anymore? It's good. I'd rather, I would much rather have good music in my life than one specific genre. 
Is that so un- unreasonable? I don't know. I don't think so. I think Ollie sounds really good on this album. He's actually improved a lot. You can tell like he's had he has a lot more control over his voice. He knows we don't he knows what he wants to do with his voice. They also released another single. I guess this I guess this is just this is the year of Bring the Horizon, I guess. Two albums they released. The second one longer in length than the first one. Much different, like really different style. But then the single they released for the video game, Death Stranding, Ludens. It brought back the heaviness, at least for a little bit, in a in a badass breakdown. The first in years for them. But it also has the same electronic vibe, rock vibe, that they have an ammo so who knows what they'll do next but I found myself coming back to this album over and over and over again can't get the melodies that they write out of my head it is what it is and that's why it's my number six number five <sighs> this band I talked about earlier in this episode. Gideon, the album Out of Control, released in October. This is the band that I flip past every time when I used to listen to Pandora. I'd be listening to, I don't know, Data Remember or We Came as Romans or, uh, and they would pop up and I would just skip right past them. I just thought, you know, it's kind of just generic metalcore. But like I said, with the, I guess, two song EP, they just hooked me in. And then they released, I think it was, I think they released Sleep, the song Sleep, I think. I don't know. The first single they released off the new album. And they just kept hooking me in time and time again. I was like, how do they have the right to write these catchy of riffs? And just keep doing it over and over again. How do they have the right to draw me in with their vocals that just pound you over the head? Because that's how powerful they are. And the songwriting that is super memorable and makes you just want to take a sledgehammer to a brick wall. I don't know. Um... The singles are amazing. The art is awesome. Blue, but also has a like a southern feeling to it. This whole album is, I guess, a love letter to the South. I don't, 
that sounds really weird and awkward, but from the opening intro little, I don't know what you call it. It's, it's one of those intros that's not music, but it, it's like different sound effects. And it's obviously like a chain link Southern rule vibe. And also this album, it doesn't, it doesn't have those two songs from those, from the two song EP, but it establishes its own vision, vibe, aesthetic, brings back, I would say nineties, just like dark net. I would say this is, uh, I don't know how people are going to take this, but it, it brings back, I would say this is a modern version of the best parts of Limp Biscuit. Like, I love me some Limp Biscuit. I don't care what anybody says. They're super fun. I grew up with them. I love Wes Borland, the guitarist. Some of the bo- some of the most simple but effective metal riffs of all time. Plus, he just dresses up like a weirdo, and I love it. Puts like pitch black contacts in his eyes when he performs on it. It's just awesome. But um, this this album, Out of Control, has those elements that I love about Limp Bizkit and like puts their own spin on it and puts a modern twist on it. Super hype, bouncy, catchy riffs, super brutal screams. The songwriting, a lot of these songs are short and sweet to the point. They know exactly what they want to be and they accomplish it. They also have a few songs mixed in there that are a little bit slower. Like they have slower choruses that a little bit more sweeping vibes. And I guess that's kind of their old sound. But mixed in with this new sound that they're going for, I think just mixes perfectly. So good. My number one song off this album is Bite Down. I think they they add in an extra octave to the low string. So those, it happens for the entire song. And though that riff, that overarching riff throughout the, throughout the song, it's one of the nastiest, brutal, sledgehammer riffs that I've ever heard. And I the entire song just gives you the stank face the entire time. The entire time. But the energy, the vibes, the, the aesthetic they're going, I just uh, oh, love this album. I'm glad I gave him a chance too. All right, top four. Starting with number four. Sleep Token the album sundowning
First time I heard this band, Spencer from Periphery, I think reposted their video off of YouTube. I thought it was really interesting, weird, unlike anything I've ever heard before. And then I kind of just forgot about them up until about a month ago or maybe two months ago. No. Month and a half ago. I think a month and a half ago. And I saw them on Lotus Eater's playlist for Spotify called Gloom Street, by the way. Awesome playlist. They're kind of a center point around this entire episode. I don't know. It is what it is. But they had another song from this band on their playlist called The Offering, I think. Let me look that up real quick. No. Gods. That's what it is. I think I listened to The Offering when Spencer from Periphery reposted. I I could be wrong. But this song, Gods, got me back into them. Oh my God. This band came out of nowhere. The album is called Sundowning. It It's kind of weird because if you look back through their Spotify history, all these songs except for like one or two were previously previously released as singles. And then this album is just a packaging of all those singles plus I think one or two songs one of them being the opening the night does not belong to God man interesting song title but from there the album is one of the most beautiful heavy not just instrumentally emotionally, but also instrumentally. Visceral, deep, just, I almost said the word pure. I don't know why. Maybe that describes it. I don't know. You tell me. The vocals on this album, I told my fiance this. He is the metalcore Sam Smith. That's what he is. Now, would you call this music metalcore? I have no idea. This album is genre melding, genre bending, genre creating. I'm still processing these songs. The songwriting, the intensity, the atmosphere they produce. It's almost, they have a lot of pop styles in this, but also pretty much every song incorporates just this heavy, dirty guitar and drums that are just, ugh. They give you that stank face, just like Gideon, but also super beautiful, soaring, 
vocals with otherworldly vibes to them. And all the songs kind of meld together to like form this one kind of ambiguous experience. But you you start listening and you just you get intrigued from the beginning. You don't ever want to skip a song. You just kind of just lose yourself into it. And then you wake up on the other side and you have no idea what happened. But this is my number four album. And I've only been listening to it for like a month, a month and a half. And this is their first album. They're another anonymous band like Darknet when they perform live, which I haven't caught yet. I want to so bad. When they perform live, they wear like masks and like paint their skin like black and wear robes and shit. But now is, I would say this, is this album kind of pretentious? Kind of, it is in the best ways. It is in the best ways without being annoying. And this, what this, just like Lotus Eater, this band is for sure one of the one of the major players in the future of where metalcore and that whole scene is going. One hundred percent. All right, we did it. On to the top three. It's been a while. In this episode. Did not think this was going to be this long. Guess I had more to say than I thought. Top three. Number three. This band I've been following for a long time. They are one of my favorite bands. Of course they're going to be in top three. I feel like they will be in the top three. At least. Every year that they put out music. That band... Periphery, they put out their album, Periphery 4, Hail Stan. Hilarious title, fits the album. I could not put Periphery in my top three. It's just, if I'm a stan of any band, this is definitely one of them, along with a few others that we'll most likely get to in the future. Now, Periphery did one thing that Periphery is one of the only bands that can probably get away with this by opening up their album with a like 16 slash 17 I think minute song reptile absurd length 
but they do 100% get away with it. It's a masterpiece of a song. Goes through so many different emotions, settings. I have no idea what it's talking about. Something about green skin apocalypses and shit like that. Maybe they don't even know what they're talking about. Who knows? All I know is this song is amazing. The different emotions it puts you through. The different styles it uses. The grand scale of it is enormous. The singing is perfect for the song. Periphery sets a scene unlike any other band in the scene. That's redundant. But it's true. They paint a picture of what they're trying to go for, and they do it with precision and skill and You can see their experience exuding through this album. This album feels like it goes back into earlier periphery material, periphery two, and specifically, and just has a more, I guess, old school periphery feel, but at the same time, Experiments a lot, does a lot of weird, wacky things that totally fit, in my opinion. I mean, there's one song on this album that's actually just a straightforward electro-pop song that just Periphery's never done before, I don't believe, I don't remember. But they do it better than almost anybody could. I believe in the same song it ends with this weird, like, some kind of weird, fast, orchestral beat that sounds like it would be from, like, an old horror movie from, like, the 30s or the 20s. Some silent horror movie that this would be playing over the top of. <laughs> and and then, a, like, a... Uh, just like a, uh, a a trance beat comes in over the top of it. And it, to be honest, this is probably my favorite moment on the album, and it has nothing to do with periphery, like as in no vocals, no guitars, no drums, no any of that. It's just a little stupid little few-minute uh, electronic like orchestral trance beat that just, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it other than weird and super periphery to do that at the end of a song, to outro a song. There's a lot of variety on this album. There's super heavy songs, Blood Eagle, songs like that. There's lighter, funner songs, as in It's Only Smiles, Church Burner, Obviously, never another heavy song. Garden the Bones might be my 
low-key favorite song on the album. Just the melodies and the the weird-ass lyrics talking about buffalo rooms and shit. I think Spencer, the, the vocalist, I think it was him, I think on Twitter or something, he's, somebody was asking what it was about, and he said something like, you know, poltergeist or whatever. So I guess the Indian burial grounds kind of fits buffaloes and shit like that. I don't have a lot more to say. If you listen to Periphery, you know they're weird, quirky style, yet technical, yet heavy, yet beautiful songwriting that they incorporate. Number two. Number two kind of came out of left field for me. This is a band I knew of, listened to a tiny bit, but just didn't give them the attention that I now think they need in terms of their backlog of songs. But this newest album, it it completely... It doesn't completely change their style from before, but it alters it enough to make it fresh. It experiments enough to sound like a new idea introduced into the metalcore scene. And turned out that it raised the ranks to my number two album. North Lane, Alien. Released back in August. I think the first single was Bloodline. No, Vultures. Which I, I missed. I think I saw it on a playlist. I just never played it for whatever reason. Because I, like I said, I wasn't super into this band. I knew of them. However. But then Bloodline. I listened to. And I was blown away by it, floored by it. I didn't understand that. I was like, this is North Lane? I'm like, okay. It introduces a new sound for them that's, I don't even know how to describe it. It's still super heavy throughout the album. It's technical in the guitars and drum work. The vocals are superb. Marcus Bridge, I believe is his name. His screams are fantastic. Cleans even better. The guitars on this album have like their own specific personality. I think most, if not all of them, are like eight-string, super low-tuned. They have this 
quality to them that's different from their older material yet establishes them as their own entity within North Lane's music. The songwriting on this album is leaps and bounds over their previous material, in my opinion, I guess, because I I listened to their stuff, but I never, it never stuck out to me in any way like this does. I don't know if they have a new songwriter or new members of the band that, or new producer that suggested things to them, or they just sat in a room and was writing their album, a new album, and was like, what can we do different that is still us, but different and experimental enough to not be obviously weird and like we're trying too hard. This album definitely accomplishes that in introducing a new sound without trying too hard and changing your sound for the sake of changing your sound. But it's just done in a masterful way that I listen to this album from front to back. I guess that's a common theme to know if I love an album or not. Kind of a no-duh type of shit, but it really, there's a lot of albums that come out. And if you can say that you come back to an album over and over again and you listen from front to back pretty much every time, I feel like that's like one of the best terms of endearment that an album can get, that a band can get, right? And I feel like if you, that's a good gauge on putting songs and albums into your top music for that specific year or of all time or whatever. And I guess this is one of the top bands that I listened to this year. And it's because of this album, Alien. The aesthetic that they're going for is fits the, the music perfect. I think their lead singer shaved his head, of course, to... Maybe he had it before. I don't know. I didn't really follow him that closely, but I think he had long hair at one point. I think I remember. But this is why it's at my number two spot. It was almost at my number one. It actually was at my number one for a short period. And then I just couldn't deny it for my number one because... If we go back on what I said before on gauging your top music in terms of how frequently frequently you go back to it and if you listen from front to back. If I use that measurement, then this next album has to be number one. They're new to me in terms of for this year. Not a new band, however. They struck me in the core. They gave me things that I didn't know I wanted. And they do it masterfully. That band 
is Knocked Loose album, A Difference. Psych! Crystal Lake Helix. This band is from Japan. Apparently this album released in 2018 in Japan. However, we in America received it in early 2019. So I first listened to this band, I believe... Actually, maybe they're not new to me. I think I listened to their previous album, True North, maybe in 2018. And I think I remember liking it. I love that album now because I've went back and revisited it because of this newest album. But I think I remember listening to True North before the newest album came out in 2018. And liking it, but, you know, not like, obviously, this new album. This new album, Helix. It, it, it masters the metalcore sound, yet introduces things that I've never really heard in metalcore before. The vocals are my new favorite screaming vocals as of right now. Rio, either Rio or Ryo, sorry if I'm getting that wrong, but he his vocals are super powerful. The tone of them is perfect. His range is insane he goes high he goes down to he goes from high all the way down to super guttural in a unique way in a controlled in a specific in a refined way it fits the music perfectly the instrumentals on in this band are just nuts they can go from a super heavy, almost deathcore sounding song to light, fun, party music. Almost electric, like trap beats and stuff. Um, they incorporate sounds that I don't even know what they are, but they fit perfectly into the music. And for God's sakes, I did not know I needed bitches and sake in my life, but I do. I'll let y'all figure that one out on your own. Now, they are from Japan. Their music feels to me like... It, it's, I get the same feeling from their music that I get from certain animes. I'm not just saying that because they're from Japan, but I am saying that 
But the fact they are from Japan does influence that. I'm not saying that every Japanese person watches anime. I just... That's the feeling I get from the different sounds, the different choices they make, the songwriting. I could totally see this fitting into like a hardcore action anime or some kind of like devil may cry. I mean, there's even a, there's even a song on this album called devil cry. I don't know if it's related to devil may cry, but the album opens. I mean, the album opens with like a little intro, but it's like 10 seconds long or whatever. But the first song on the album, Aeon, I think that's how you say it has one of my favorite breakdowns of all time. The range of the vocals in this song are just nuts. The energy in this song is just ridiculous. And the music video is freaking awesome too. It's like a um, artificial intelligence robot vibe. About midway through this album, they have one track that's just them chanting in like a some kind of rallying call or even like some kind of sports rallying call. And then it leads into another hype song. They have sing-along choruses that are Super catchy, yet really unique. Just the different moods they have on this album and they set for you. Are... You're not going to get bored ever at one point in this album. At least I didn't. There's a song on this album called Just Confusing, which is definitely the crush. Going back to Periphery's album, that's the electronic song that they put on there, Periphery. Just Confusing is Crystal Lake's version of that song. They're not super similar, but it's that type of type of song to where it's the most different song on the album, but works well and gets more memorable the more times you listen to it. Apollo Aeon is probably my favorite song. Apollo, probably a close second. If you have never heard of Crystal Lake, or you have and you haven't really paid them much attention, this is the album to jump on board. They're going to grow. They're going to refine their sound even more. Even their previous album had a lot of variety on it, but this is the album where they hit their stride they perfected their sound. And I think going into the future, this is 100%. Along with Lotus Eater, Sleep Token, this is definitely a band that I'm going to be checking in on frequently to make sure I don't miss anything. <sighs> All right. That's my lists, my on minch, my everything for this episode. That's about it. I can't remember if I said that I want to make this a bi-weekly podcast. 
I'm not sure if I said that in the intro or not. That was a long time ago. I'm tired. But I'm going to try my best to make this a bi-weekly podcast and go through releases that I happen to listen to and get my thoughts on them. I have some content prepared to go and to record and give my thoughts on already in the bag for next episode. So I'm 100% sure that I missed music this year. Well, I guess it would be last year because I guess I'm technically going to release this in 2020. So um, I 100% missed music in 2019. If I did and you think I should know about it, please let me know. You can go on Instagram, Pod. You can go to Doc Meta Productions. That's at Doc underscore Meta on Instagram. I haven't created a Twitter yet, but I'm going to when I'm editing this video. So in the next episode, I'll just tell you what those are, what those handles are, what email. Actually, no, earbleederpod at gmail.com. If you want to ask questions, give me suggestions. So that's about it. All right. I'm out. Till next time.